Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 270. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Smile, and FreshBooks. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you? I'm good. I'm good today. How are you? I'm fine. I'm just playing Pokemon all day. That's what I do now. That's my job now. Are you doing it right now? Well, not right now. Okay. Uh, I, I, I can that. if you want me to. No, no. We have stuff to talk about. Okay. All right. Cool, 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 cool. You can do both. Find you a Federico that can do both. <laughs> See, I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> He's the guy, you know, the, the, this person that just spoke on the show. The guy that has a Nintendo Switch during podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like a professional. I have done it in the past. Mm. That's all mm. I'm going to say. Not on this show. Mm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And because I got in trouble for not introducing somebody who spoke before they were introduced, that, of course, is Mike Curly. Hello. Hey. Governor. See, you can do it. See, you know how to do it, Steven. Yeah. That, that's how you do it. Thank you. He can't wait to do it. I can't, I can't wait to do it. We have sort of a weird topic today. So if you look in your podcast app, you're going to see that this episode has like 37 chapters because this is a week of a bunch of small stories that we're sort of just going to touch base on a lot of things. But we're going to start with follow-up. And Mike, you as the PopSocket enthusiast were assigned homework to check out the OtterBox PopSocket case we spoke about. Uh, mm-hmm. How is how's that gone? Uh, so the colors, you remember my main issue last, last episode was that the color names were bananas considering the co- colors of the cases that they were showing on Apple's website. Um, I would say the colors are a little bit more realistic to the names, but are still, like, I have the blue one, but it's definitely purple still. Sure. You know, but it's more uh, it's more darker in color than uh, they look on the website. Okay. And I've been using it for the best part of a week, um, and I, I think I'm going to keep it. I think I'm going to keep, keep this case now. Uh, it's a silicone case. Um, so it's nice and grippy. It feels like the Apple silicone case, but you can actually put pop sockets on it because the Apple silicone case, uh, with most pop sockets, it struggles to grip, um, which is why pop socket released this like thing that you can also buy on Apple's store, which is like a look basically like a belt for an iPhone, um, that you can put a pop socket on. I'm going to need to, I'm going to need a link to this. Let's see. Pop socket belt belt. Let's see what that. Don't it's not called that. Oh, but it showed up. Look at that. Okay, good. Go. The pop grip slide, pop grip slide. That's what it's Why called. Why do they need so many names? Pop grip slide. It's like it's like one of those songs from the nineties that had a dance attached to it. You know, like the cha cha slide or the macarena or whatever. I know the macarena. I don't know the other one. Oh, okay. I think that. Are you saying the pop grip and slide should be a dance? I think it could be. <laughs> the, 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 the cha-cha slide was more complicated than the Macarena, but more fun than the Macarena. Mm. That's that's my unexpected review so of it, 90s group dances. So you're Thank saying you. it's like a hipster dance because it's not mainstream as the Macarena? No, they're very mainstream. But maybe, I, I think that the cha-cha slide was more famous in America than the Macarena was. But anyway, I see. I see. I see. The, it has one kind of design thing that I get in a lot of cases, which I thought was going to be more of a problem than it's turned out to be, which is that the, you know, you on a silicone case, or well, basically in all cases, they have this kind of lip that goes around the edge, right? Which mm-hmm. like kind of protects the screen from touching surfaces. On the pop socket case, 
it goes all the way around. It doesn't cut off at the bottom like Apple's cases does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with some cases, uh, in some cases, with some cases, I have had issues. Thank you. I've had issues with it getting in the way of the the swipe gestures on the iPhone. But I have noticed that with this case, I've not had so much of a problem. Like maybe it's not as pronounced as other cases that I've used or whatever. But um, I thought I was going to have a problem, but it hasn't been a problem uh, for me. I got used to that very quickly. Uh, I like that I, because they, PopSocket kind of changed a bunch of stuff with their business, right? Like the way that they do things. And instead of it being this one thing, we've now got like the detachable tops to the PopSockets, which is how they get around the wireless charging thing, right? Like you take the PopSocket off, Mm -hmm. but there's like a little thing still stuck to the phone. But this is built into the case, right? So it's just like a mount for PopSockets to go onto. So I liked that I could take off the boring blue one and put my enamel solar system one. Uh, on it so i was able to put my own pop socket on it uh the only downside i've had is i keep finding that i'm picking up my phone upside down because there's no visual thing anymore the case goes all the way around right so i have like with the old case there was a visual break at the bottom Right, which is kind of where the right. the case would end. Right, that doesn't look like that. So when the phone is the screen is off, it can be difficult for me at a glance to like work out whether my phone is the right way up or not. Which sounds like something that would be impossible to observe, which I agree with. But what I'm noticing is I'm picking up my phone upside down a lot, and I didn't do that before. So I would have not known that that was a problem, except for the fact that it's happening to me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I never would have thought that that would have been a problem with the case. Like that's ah, not going to be an issue. But I keep picking up my phone upside down because I keep holding my phone up and it doesn't come on. It's because the raise to wake doesn't work upside down, which is another thing that I've learned. But I like the case. Uh, I am over needing to see the green of my iPhone now, right? Like I wanted to use the clear case because I wanted to see the green color. But I don't need that anymore. I'm used to it. So now I'm happy to branch out into different cases. And I like this case. I've always liked silicone cases. And this one has a pop socket built in. Uh, The pop socket is slightly lower on the case than I would want. But I was able to get used to that very quickly. Um, So yeah, I am now living the Otterbox pop socket case lifestyle. Let me go on a bit of a tangent here. Um, about I would love a tangent. About cases. Um, so because just, I use Alex no, Cox no. just joined the chat, right? Like she's, they, oh they are big on this. Um, it's not about the battery case. Uh, but so this story begins, it's a very short story. Because I use the Twitter app, the official Twitter app, um, I'm a, and, and I often use the home timeline, which is the algorithmic timeline, especially these days that I'm playing Pokemon Sword all day and I sort of I need a quick way to catch up on Twitter, so I switch from latest to home. And when I switch to home, I'm exposed to all kinds of different things that go beyond the chronological order of tweets. And yesterday, one of them was a thread in which John Gruber was participating uh, about iPhone cases. And so because of the, of the Twitter app, I saw this tweet from John in response to um, this person named Greg. Um, he's, uh, you, you guys know the Greg I'm talking about. He, he, he writes about like manufacturing and stuff about Apple and materials and like industrial design. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course. You know the guy, right? Sure. Uh, I cannot remember this last name, but still... Gruber mentioned this case. It's called the Pitaka iPhone K 
copper case. Um, it's made of aramid fiber. It's like what is that? I don't know. It's so in theory it should be some kind of like Kevlar. I think it's like aramid fiber. Oh, I don't know, man. but it's super thin. We're all getting our tactical EDC it's, phone cases it ready says, to go out aramid into the wild fiber and punch a bear. Bulletproof case. Oh jeez. Ultra thin. Oh god. And so I I went to the website to this Pitaka website. Pitaka does sound like a Pokemon, by the way, but it's not. Uh, it's a brand. Um, Everything sounds like a Pokemon if you look hard enough. <laughs> um, and it's I mean it is super thin and in theory super durable. It's got this cool looking texture on the back. Uh, it's got a texture. I don't like that look. It's, uh, well, well. I believe it is cool looking, Mike. You know, I mean, you like purple and yellow cases. Car- yeah, because I like color. Carbon fiber looking things are of a particular taste. I think. Okay, I, also, I'm a man of. In this image, taste. it has like a knife scratching the phone. That's a tiny knife, by yes, scale. you can it's scratch the smallest knife. You can scratch this case with a knife if you want to. The blade of the knife is about the same size as the camera square. You know, sometimes you know, sometimes you're cooking. You need a small knife. Sometimes you're cooking with a small knife, and accidentally, instead of chopping zucchini, you're chopping your iPhone. <laughs> Oopsies! Well, with this this case, what happened? You won't Worry chop it no because more. it's got the aramid fiber going on in the back. So still, I I bought it from Amazon, and it's coming tomorrow. So I guess it'll have follow up next week. Um, well, this is going to go on for a while, isn't it? This this round robin of cases that we're doing. <laughs> I'm still I'm still using. By the way, the wallet case is a must have for now. Every time I go out, I sleep on the wallet case. I'm still using the in like in regular usage the leather Bellroy case, but I'm happy to switch things up a little. You know, um, so I, I got this aramid. Uh, I look forward case. to when your phone can go faster because it's made of carbon fiber. It'll go faster. It'll survive bullets, uh, <laughs> knives, and tiny knives. I'm ready for all kinds of attacks, man. Um, mm-hmm. Just come, like, you know, put the phone on my chest as a like, like a little body armor thing. Wow. Yeah, and it leaves. Oh, by the way, it leaves all the buttons um, uncovered. So the volume buttons and the silent switcher, uh, they are not protected by the case so they're easier to access uh, in theory so we'll see how it goes i have some good news was this not good news was this- <laughs> federico christmas trees is back i don't even remember what this is about but my I know- side gig it's my side gig in uh, <laughs> in ohio right how did this you- start how did this start why do you guys know that I bought property in Ohio a few years and back? Right? Christmas trees under the name Frederico <laughs> Christmas trees. How did this begin? Can anyone remember? A few years ago, I bought property <laughs> in Ohio <laughs> on four on four um, forty uh, South State Street in Orem. Um, yeah, it was a good investment. What state is that in? Out of interest, the, uh, very clearly the beautiful state of Ohio. In America. Are you sure it's not Utah? <laughs> Let's see. Let's look at the website. <laughs> <laughs> it's Utah, my Well, friend. I must be confused because I bought a bunch of properties. A bunch uh, of property. <laughs> yeah. All in places called Aurum. Um It's definitely it, Utah. It's I meant Utah. I'm sorry. My my geography, you know, as a as an It's my English. Foreign, <laughs> <as> a, <laughs> I'm just a guy from Italy making the investment, you know. Um, the Christmas tree. 
yeah, so I sell Christmas trees. They're called Federico Christmas trees on Instagram. Frederica. Frederico. Yeah. Extra R. The extra R for really good trees. Oh, yeah, it's my American name with an extra R. Um, and yeah, we have a very active Instagram account. Yeah, Once those a year. eighty-seven followers. Which have, I think comprised of mostly listeners of this show. But can anyone remember why this first came up? Can anyone remember? No. Okay. So here's here's what we'll do. We'll leave it to the audience. Someone tell us when this first came up. I'm looking at you underscore. And we'll follow up next week about this. Yep. But this is a thing that came up. I really enjoy how bold Frederico Christmas Trees has gotten uh, in their Instagram post this year. It's almost time for the trees from Oregon, Washington, Montana, and Wisconsin. No one has our selection of variety, big or small. We have it all. Nobody has them. Good work, Uh, Federico, on your work there. Yeah, and and especially if you go on the website, you can see that we have all kinds of... How do you say this? Fur? (laughs) You should know if you're in the business. Well, you know, I'm just a... I'm a poor guy from Italy. And, uh, <laughs> They're not made of pasta, are they? What we, am I supposed we, to do? We have the Norman fur, the uh-huh. Fraser fur, uh-huh. the Grand fur. Uh, so, mm. yeah, go to the website, uh, buy a tree. FredericoChristmasTrees.com I mean, if you go to the testimonials page, people love us. Ryan Wilkinson said, can't say enough good things. Good. Frederico has the best trees in the country, hands down. So, yep. Hands down. I wonder mm-hmm. if that person had tried all the trees in the country before they made that statement. <laughs> Matthew Pulsifer, which is most definitely a fake name, said the most beautiful Christmas tree we've ever had. But why are you saying it's a fake name? You should say it's a real name. This this one sounds like does sound like a Pokemon. Pulsifer, like mm-hmm. an electric that does water sound like a Pokemon. type yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's an anonymous quote. This is our third tree from you this season. Who's buying three Christmas trees? <laughs> Well, if you have three properties like me, mm. one in Italy, one in Ohio, one in Utah, uh, True. You, you buy three of them. <laughs> Thanks for always loading the trees in slash on our cars. I still have a lot of questions well. how you're transporting these trees. In the in or on the cars. It's very clear. Just put it in the back seat. It'll be fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad your business is back. If you don't remember what that joke was about, I apologize for what we've just <laughs> subjected you to. Well, or listen look- next week when we explain the joke that we can't remember how it started. So <laughs> Underscore has joined the chat room. Oh, he ha- Oh, he actually has. It's not a joke. He actually did join the IRC. So we may soon have an answer to okay. our query. So we may do some real-time follow-up. Before we do, Mike, tell us about Claris Connect. Oh, you remember our good old friends at uh, FileMaker who became Claris after previously being known as Claris and Mm -hmm. then became FileMaker and became a wholly owned subsidiary of Apple, but now they're still that subsidiary, but now they're Claris Connect of a new CEO. Everyone remembers that. Uh, They were launching a product called Claris Connect. Uh, It is out now in beta, and it's basically the platform we spoke about a while ago. It seems to be a competitor of IFTTT and Zapier, probably aimed more at the... um, I think it's aimed more at the like the the not the consumer market, the opposite of that, the professional market, the corporate world, because uh, from the nine to five Mac article, the quote that they've chosen to include starts with designed to tap into the ever expanding p expanding p a a s market. I don't know what that is. Something as a service, platform as a service, maybe? I don't know. But that would suggest to you that considering the using the acronym PARS, then it's probably not for me or you. It's invite only. It's launching in 2020. Uh, I am very keen to see what kind of company Claris becomes at this point. It's fascinating. Just this 
this little company inside of Apple making its way out, you know, making its way downtown, walking fast, that kind of thing. Off it goes. Mm-hmm. I got that reference. Thanks. I don't know where mm-hmm. it came from, but I did it anyway. They call it the reverse Casey. Mm-hmm. I want to take a little time to uh, just share some ways that I have served my fellow human in the last couple of weeks. <sighs> you know, I'm a man of the people. That's com- yeah. People come up to me on the street and say, sir, you are a man of the people. That's what you're going with? All the time. Is this <laughs> your power fantasy? <laughs> no, it's real. Often the street. Okay. Totally real. I got, we got this tweet from Rob saying that uh, they were showing pictures of my Mac collection in their PhD seminar today, talking about brand communities. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just helping contribute to the next generation of educators. I guess I just want to know from this tweet. Mm-hmm. I got, I, I, I know what the Mac is. What is SAB? Uh, it was a car company that a lot of people were really into. I think they were they were from Europe, Sweden, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, anyways, they went bankrupt like ten years ago, and there were a lot of people who were like big Saab fans and who kept the cars going and like sourced a bunch of parts. So it's like a community a community of enthusiasts around this car brand. So okay. it's um, you know, a bunch of people who are really into it. So like the guys at ATP, basically. Yes. Yeah, they're all big Saab fans. So, uh, so I'm just helping Rob, you know, teach future educators. So in a way, I am teaching an entire generation of children about brand communities. That's all I've okay. ever wanted. Sure. Good job. Do you guys have any questions about my good works? How it feels to be so amazing? Or how you could one day hope to help people? What does your family think of these, Stephen? You know, I don't like to... Um, I'm not one to brag. So sure. I just oh, share no. my excellence with you, the two of you, and I don't, I don't bother my family with it. And a few thousands other people. Cool. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I didn't know that brand community was a thing people studied, but apparently it is. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, honestly, this is cool. This is pretty cool. So good job. Uh, I've also helped people who are afraid to upgrade to Mac OS Catalina for fear that their iPods would break. As you guys probably remember, the uh, iTunes death the birth of mu- the music app and podcast and TV in that shuffle, Apple added the iPod singing stuff to finder, taking it out of the the music app. And I decided, you know, I should sh- see how far back the support goes. Uh, so I did a video about that, that I published uh, earlier this week that if you haven't seen, I think it's, I think it's pretty fun. You get to see me build a dongle to attach my Thunderbolt three MacBook pro to the original iPod, which used firewire 400, uh, which was <laughs> quite an adventure putting that that chain of dongles together. Again, helping people. I come back to the show. I've been gone for a minute. Mm-hmm. I come back to the show with the answer to the question that we wanted, provided via David Smith, of course. Yes. So during an intro one day, um, Stephen called me Michael. The idea of Federico came up again. It's just like a way of expanding Federico's name. Mm-hmm. to make it longer. Then Kyle just pasted a link in the chat room to Frederico Christmas Trees, and then the legend was born. This is episode 161 Why? from September 2017. Kyle's from Utah, so maybe Ky- maybe Kyle bought three Christmas trees from them and commented on their website. This is all very possible. Mm-hmm. The answer has been given via the oracle underscore David Smith. Mm. Thank you, underscore. 
It's kind of incredible that he did just appear out of nowhere and provide the answer, isn't that? I think so. I think he listens live. Kind of m- mad. Well, yeah, but like, but it's not in the chat. I room. don't know how he did that. No, he he has ways, right? Like at that speed. He searches like things. A, he's like it's like the podcast genie. Like you yeah. rub your microphone three times and David Smith appears. Yes, it grants you a wish. He does like blue, and the genie is blue. So, it's true. There you go. You know, think about it. I just searched uh, Relay FM Christmas Tree on Google, and there's more. <laughs> there's there's more results than you would think there would be. Look, it's a serious business, all right. Mm-hmm. Like, Trust me, I got I got a lot of money tied up in this. We thing. are we have an established presence in the community and uh, the Christmas tree community. We we in the Utah community in Orem. Ah, oh, yeah, and Orem we, we, in Ohio. We bring joy to to all kinds of families every year with our trees. Joy to the world. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed Steven's video very much. It was weird, like yes. all of Steven's best videos. <laughs> oh, the Huawei mate. X is on sale, by the way. Just if, just so you know. Oh, oh. Only in China uh, for two thousand four hundred dollars. So, so I don't think that that gonna, thing is going to buy one. Mm, no, I don't think. Well, <laughs> I guess it's possible to import it right now. The reason this is on sale only in China is because they can't sell it outside of China. Yeah, basically, Huawei's because been slapped around by governments all yeah. over the world. It, it won't. Uh, it won't have any Google Play services on it, so it's effectively useless outside of China. Um, Huawei is kind of building up their own uh, set of technologies, like they have a store and stuff, but they're really kind of mm-hmm. focusing on the Chinese market for that right now. But what I will assume and what I'm excited about is there will be YouTubers that will import this thing and will be able to use it and show it off. So I'm looking forward to those videos because I assume that this thing is going to be an absolute disaster. Uh, and I'm very intrigued to see it. It folds around the outside, right? So it's the inside out version exactly. of your phone, yeah. which yeah. just seems if, like a a bad idea. And <laughs> if you remember, well, but everyone thought it was great at the time, but I knew it was a bad idea and I said it and, and, mm. and history has proven me to be correct. But you can't use a soft plastic screen as the outside protection Mm-mm. for no. the phone. It's madness. Yeah. Madness, I say. Yeah, that bread I is going to a... land butter toast down. Butter side mm-hmm. down every time. I have extremely important real-time follow-up, guys. Oh, my God. How, how This episode is going to go on forever. <laughs> extremely important real-time follow-up. According uh-huh. to 9to5Mac, the smart battery case for the iPhone 11 is out. Oh. And it's, it is oh. on Apple.com. It's right all now. coming up, Alex Cox, today. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Look iPhone, accessories. can send you the link in the chat. And sure enough, it's on Apple.com. And uh, best part of the show is when everybody goes quiet. Yeah. Because we're all searching for battery cases. I can't find it. Oh, the case features a a dedicated camera button that launches the camera app. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, my God. Come on. A press of the button takes a photo, and a longer press captures quick take video. Okay, I'm going to buy one. What are you doing? (laughs) And. And purchase. How dare you? How dare you, Apple? Tempt me. I'm doing it. There's well, a color, um, uh, black and white, and there's a new color called pink sand, which looks very nice. Did they not have a pink one a while ago? I don't think the don't, last one did. I don't think they did in the battery case. I think they did in their right. regular cases. That pink would look really nice with the green, I think. Well, that's we're going to find out, gentlemen, because that's what I'm going to order. Good. 
I don't oh. want this. But they've <laughs> never so angrily said that before. Uh, should I get a white one or should I get a pink sandwich? I think one? the white one would look gross over time. Why they gotta go add new features to it for? It's got the button, man. You gotta use. You gotta click. The, I wanna try. I wanna click the button. I need camera to button. Fill. I need to feel the camera button. Whether the phone is locked or unlocked. Man, I need to click the button. It's like you're correct, Apple. The the way that you have implemented the current camera shortcut with the new phone, it's terrible. You are right for noticing that. They shipped a whole case instead of fixing it in software. <laughs> this is how you fix it mm-hmm. with a hardware solution. Everybody knows that's the best way to fix things. Should I go pink or black? I'm going pink. You're going pink? Yeah. Nobody's going white, right? No. I feel like white would just get dirty. Like, and that's all you that's all you're left with. You know? Mm. Alright. It's mm. done. I ordered a black one. Because I am interested in this, not just because of the button. I mean, I will use it when I travel, like the same reason that I used the last one, you know. I'll be keen to see if I can get a pop socket on it. They should that's have a the bu- problem. They should have a camera button on the iPhone. They should build a pop socket into the case for funsies. Let's just go wild to this thing. The pop socket <laughs> itself should be a battery. Like it should be a battery that you grip. Oh, that sounds like a terribly dangerous thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I think I'm going black. Should we take our first break now? Yes. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea to bring it to life with a unique domain name, a bunch of award-winning templates to choose from, and so much more. Maybe you need to create an online store, or maybe you want to have a portfolio of all your Christmas tree pictures, or you want to blog about your tree farming. You can do all of that with Squarespace because it is the all-in-one platform that lets you take care of everything under one roof. And it's great because there's nothing to install, There are no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. You don't have to become some sort of server web admin guru because Squarespace has got it covered. Squarespace has award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They allow you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name to use with your site. And of course, you can choose from their award-winning templates that are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've used Squarespace over the years to build a bunch of sites for a bunch of different people. And one thing I'm always uh, impressed by is that when I hand a site over to somebody to to run on their own, it just takes a few minutes to get them comfortable with Squarespace's tools. It's really easy to add content, change content around, adjust styles, all right within your web browser. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. As pointed out by Underscore in the chat room, who is basically a guest on this week's episode. Uh, Interestingly, the camera button is like on the bottom, right? So it's kind of optimized for landscape use would be the assumption on that, right? No, you shouldn't take vertical pictures. Mm -hmm. Yes, you should. No, they're bad. You do it all the time for Instagram stories. Mm. Mm. This is not a topic Mm. for today, but I'm I'm pretty close to being done with the old Instagram. 
That well, that's fine, but you've still used it in the past. Sure, we but can come back to that when you finally made your decision. The young people use it for TikTok to create content for the Chinese government, but it's fine. Uh, we had. Oh wow, you've got all the opinions today. I mean, you're just gonna <laughs> just slid it right there. Just gonna drive by on that one very casually, right Thanks. in there. That was awesome. <laughs> you can email any feedback about that to Casey Liss. He's, he's he welcomes <laughs> he really, it. Really, Casey's the one with the originator of those opinions. Believe it or not, uh, we had a, a question from Astro Phoenix on Twitter. Uh, I, uh, they write, I remember you guys noticed the iPhone 10 screen was easily scratched. How does the 11 Pro screen compare from a scratching standpoint now that you've had it a while? Uh, Federico, what about you? Is your 11 Pro screen holding up okay? My old iPhones didn't have any scratches. Mine did. Mine had lots. Me too. The first one that I ever had scratches on was my... Uh, 10s max my 11 pro at the moment has no scratches and it has taken some pretty significant dives so either i've been luckier or that situation seems to have improved year over year because i had some bad scratches on my phone i feel like my 10s was maybe a little bit worse than the 10 uh my 11 pro so far i've got one light scratch uh across like the top corner of the screen i have no idea where i got that but my 10 and my 10s both got one like on the bottom part of the screen, like from the bottom where you know if you slide it in your jeans pocket and touches the little brass thing, you know, in your jeans, mm-hmm. a little a little nubbin. Uh, the 11 Pro so far has avoided that fate, but I definitely feel like it's still more scratch prone than I would like, but it does seem better so far. Uh, if I get any sort of terrible gouges, maybe we'll come back to this in a future episode. But so far, not as bad as it was in previous years. Yeah, but I, d- I don't remember how long it was I had the phone before my scratches started, but, like, it was a thing, you know? Yeah, I don't remember either, honestly. Time sort of compresses those memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Last week, uh, Federico gave me homework to find some old stuff on Apple.com, and my friends at the Simple Beat podcast, which talks about Apple history— uh, they they gave two examples. One they is, did your homework for you. Basically, they did. I I saw this tweet. I pasted this tweet in the Google Doc, and I didn't do anything else. Uh, mm. They sent a link to Steve Jobs' thoughts on Flash post, which is still up, and it's amazing. You should totally reread it. It's in the hot news apple.com slash hot news, but now slash hot news redirects to the newsroom. So this is like a. It lives in a ghost directory, but it is What still I like there. about this post is that the heading is an image, mm-hmm. and the rest is text. And not But the right image now. just says, thoughts on Flash. It's so they could use that font on their website. Apple used to do that a lot before web fonts, yeah. and it's not Retina. What was the name of that font? Mm, I don't know what that is. It was the Apple font, right? It was the font they used on everything. Yeah. Myriad? Yeah, I think it is Myriad. I'm surprised you didn't just know that, Stephen. I get I, I get confused on the font names. It's getting old. We found the gap. Mm-hmm. We found it. So anyways, you should go read that. But maybe more impressively... You said you, you said to people, go read that. They don't need to read it. No, it is it is an amazing like time capsule of... It's, I don't know. I reread it. You should reread it. Okay. <laughs> Did you learn anything? Uh, I learned that uh, HTML5 will win on mobile devices. Did it? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Dude, the last yeah. sentence of this letter is, is brutal. 
Perhaps Adobe should focus more on creating great HTML5 tools for the future and less on criticizing the Apple for leaving the past behind. Mm. Jobs could really be pointy when he needed to be. <laughs> what were mm. some of the other ones that he wrote like this? There was a couple of these, right? Yeah. He didn't do this a lot, but he did it every now and then. He wrote one on his health. I I remember when uh, when he <laughs> responded via email to a Gizmodo reporter, I, I want to say. And basically, one of his replies was, what have you done in, in your life that's so great yeah. that you can email me? Just like, I want to one day use that. <laughs> well, you know, mm, yeah, yeah, I can see the appeal of that. One of the uh, the other examples from Simple Beep is Apple's dashboard widgets, all still active. So Apple. Oh, I just found a Mac Power users one. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, it's in there. I should <laughs> I should download that on an old machine and run it. Because dashboard is gone, but there are, according to this, um, I mean, a couple thousand widgets in here. I just randomly clicked some of them, and many of them still downloaded. Well, oh, yeah, Mac Power users. Cause... Look at that. Um, let's see. How do you, you can... download it? You There's hit a... the download and then the 290K, like the file size next to it. Oh, man, it's universal. If That's you go good. to the radio and podcasts one, there's a bunch of... There's a Chris Perillo audio podcast. There's a, there's a French one. I wanna, I'm going to try and read French. Um, ça se bouffe pas, ça se mange. Excellent. I think the link is dead for the Mac Power users. Oh, it, it is. It's totally dead. That's such a shame. I was going to listen to the newest episode. It wouldn't work anyway. Make Let's be real. MacBreak Weekly... We're having fun here, kids. This is a good this is a good web page. This is a great episode. Just listen to your favorite European and American. It's a like, great webcams. Oh my god. Look at the let you look up webcams. Um uh by the way, while we're looking at, at, at these widgets, I want to tell you guys that I just I did something and I undid it uh, as we were talking because I'm dumb. In my in my ec- ecstatic reaction. Oh, I know what you did because I was worried I was going to do the same. I did it. I bought the case for the iPhone 11 Pro, yeah, for the small yeah. one, yeah, not the I was Pro Max. Do that. I the- just canceled my order, and I'm now looking for the Pro Max version. <laughs> the so. reason, the only reason that that didn't happen to me was because I picked up my iPhone and ordered on my iPhone, and it it recommends things that you own, right? Like, oh, you own one of these. This is the one that's recommended because the web page that I had open was for the regular size one, and I was like, oh no, I've missed it. Oh no, I got the right one. So I had the same fear, but I didn't actually do it. Yeah, I did it. I'm the dumb one who did it. Um, now I'm looking for links to these products, but I cannot find them. Here it is. I f- I'll text you. I found the Pro Max one. Okay, we should really we should really get back to, to the podcast that we're trying to record. We got to move on. What else? What is this one for the ages? The final episode of Connected. I spent some time with the 16-inch MacBook Pro. And I want to scroll up in our iMessage thread. So let me see if I can find this. I said... You are now doing exactly what you just said we needed to stop doing. You're now like reading text messages. I said, guys, I'm going to go see the 16-inch MacBook Pro. This text is a promise that I'm not buying one. I did not buy one, but I will say it's a very impressive laptop. 
So I checked it out at the Apple Store. And you want you want one though, right? You want one. It's okay to say you want yeah, one. I would like one. Okay. I mean, okay. I would like a Mac Pro too, but I'm not buying a Mac Pro. But it is uh, it's a nice machine. I was really surprised they had two of them out of my Apple Store. There were people looking at both of them. Like usually in the Apple Store, people looking at iPhones, maybe the MacBook Air. Like the MacBook Pro, I feel like doesn't get the crowd <laughs> attention that some of the other products do. But there were like like there was a woman like looking at it. She was going to buy one. She was talking to a sales associate who have to say like did a really good job explaining the differences and like he knew his stuff, which is really nice. Sometimes I just listen. I'm just like, are you telling somebody something you made up or have you been trained and remember your training? Yeah, I do that too. But this guy did a great job. He asked me if I had any questions and I usually don't do this, but I sort of blurted it out. I was like, oh, like I'm a technology reporter. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of checking it out. And like, he had this look on his face, like, oh no, I shouldn't be talking to you. And that <laughs> was awkward. So I left, but it is, it's a great machine. It really feels like the predecessor to the, or the successor, I should say, to the 2015 MacBook Pro. The keyboard feels really nice. It's not that much bigger. I mean, I'm pretty used to the 15.4 inch. Like, it's a big laptop. And I think a lot of people are kind of waiting to see if the 13 inch becomes 14 inches, which I think would be really nice. But I think something else maybe worth waiting for is that this still has the ninth generation Intel processors in it, the Coffee Lake refresh. And the the next processors for this machine should be 10 nanometer, which would be smaller and cooler. And so I kind of think that if you have like a recent MacBook Pro and you're thinking about updating, unless you need one, it's probably not a crazy idea to maybe wait for that that Intel refresh sometime next year, maybe next summer. You know, someone like me, I have a, a very recent MacBook Pro. It's not my primary computer. If I were to upgrade, I, I may I may wait until then, just just for the cooling and the efficiency aspects of that that die shrink, but. And they'll probably, if they're ever going to have a smaller one, they would probably do that at the same time too, right? So you could I think then so. make your decision about the size that you wanted. Yeah, I think so. It's pretty nice. I was I was really impressed with it. I did, I've talked to you all about this, but I have thought a little bit, I mean, this is, Jason called it the iMac Pro that you can like put in your backpack and watching a bunch of videos, uh, we'll put one... Um, Quinn at Snazzy Labs did one that I watched last night that I really enjoyed. Uh, he's mm-hmm. talked a lot about thermal performance, like in a way that is pretty easy to understand because I think that's a hard thing to talk about. Uh, so we'll have that one in the show notes. But there's lots of videos, lots of articles about this computer. And I get the sense that Apple has really done a good job at, at solving uh, the issues that that plagued the initial run of these computers, but still in a way like this is clearly the same type of idea that their idea of the MacBook Pro is the same. But in thinking about all that, seeing how powerful it is, I have entertained the idea of going back to just one computer. So I have my iMac Pro and I have a MacBook Pro. It's easier than ever to have two computers, but it's still obviously more complicated than having just one. And I have thought about what if I did like a pretty nicely specced MacBook Pro and an external display and so I could have one computer uh, everywhere. I'm not ultimately not going to do that because I do like having a desktop. I like having stuff that's plugged in all the time. I like having like my work computer at work, not at the house, you know, in the house, not with me everywhere. So I I don't think I'm going to go down this road, but I I do think that if you have struggled to get the power out of a notebook that you need for for work, if you're doing high-end stuff, the 16-inch may solve that problem for you because it is really impressive. Like even the base model is basically as performant 
especially on the GPU side, is like the super high-end MacBook Pro that they just got rid of. You know, you know they did that refresh, they added like the Vega 20 Pro GPU options and stuff. Even mm-hmm. the base MacBook Pro now, 16-inch, is faster or as fast as those. And I don't I just, I, I seem to be really impressed. People who have been really critical of the MacBook Pro in the past couple of years, rightfully so, seem impressed. So I think Apple's done a, a good job here. Yeah, I think it's it seems to be getting pretty praised all around. And at least so far, because I'm sure people are looking, there doesn't appear to be anything catastrophically wrong with it, Mm-mm. which is good news. That's great news. <laughs> I still think you're going to buy one because I will just never let that fight go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I hope to be proven wrong. I'll say that. Because then it shows you have restraint, which would be nice. Mm-hmm. It does have this weird thing that iFixit found called the lid angle sensor. And so I went on this tear last night when this came out. I texted Jason and Tyler Stallman. I was like, hey, you guys have the 16-inch. Are like the regular sleep magnets going? I thought maybe this was uh, telling the computer if it was awake or asleep. It seems like it still has magnets in the other places. So I don't know what this little sensor does, but it's. I don't know, I'm always intrigued by like weird little hardware changes of what this what this could do. So that is weird. They didn't mention That's it anywhere. Mac Mac rumors found it because they were diving through the service document, which is like a whole other topic. Those aren't public, but uh, it's a little sensor in there doing something, telling the logic board something about the screen. But it seems that we don't really know what it does yet. Uh, so talking of interesting, there is going to be an Apple event of some description on December 2nd in New York City. Hmm. Uh, it looks like they're going to be unveiling their apps and games of the year. Mm. I doubt it's going to be streamed because it isn't mentioned anywhere other yeah. than via a tweet from Lance Ulanov, I think was from... Is he still at Mashable? Maybe. I don't think he is. I don't. I think I don't think he is. He was previously of Mashable. He's somewhere else now, I think. I think. I think he's writing for one of those like medium-based publications, but I could be completely wrong about that. I'll follow that up in a second. I'll check it in a minute. Um, it looks like a secondary event to the ADAs, but like Apple always has their the Apple Design Awards that they do at WWDC or the Apple Developer Conference. We'll maybe get to that later on. Um, but this is something that Apple does every year. They have like their best x of all of their stores right best podcast best games best apps best movies you know best album all that stuff of the year it i i guess they're doing it but with an audience now of of press and and all the people they're awarding this to me sounds like a private event um like a small venue apple design awards where they invite a bunch of the winners and a bunch of press and they let the press um do interviews and talk to the developers and uh, get a bunch of details about you know why a certain app or game won, and maybe they could have some kind of celebrities involved. Maybe you know it could be the kind of venue if a celebrity has an as an app or a game that they participated in uh, could be a venue to do that. Um, again, all speculation on my end, but it does sound like a. Um, like basically a, a fall version of the Apple Design Awards, but not public. So just for the press and just for the winners. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's nice that Apple is, uh, if it is what it is, which is to say they're um, building a small event around what they're otherwise doing on the App Store with the pages and the charts and the collections. I think it's pretty neat. Uh, I think the whole story is kind of funny 
in that it does seem like uh, Lancelot enough was not supposed to share this news. Yes. Um, we have a, a tweet that Mark German uh, sh- reshared on Twitter uh, showing uh, uh, the, a section of the email uh, that Apple sent to the press saying, let's keep this between us for now. No social media posts just yet. Um, which seems to suggest that uh, Lancelot went ahead, tweeted about the event, and then it was too late. That's to uh, that's when you don't read the whole email before you share it. <laughs> that should have been hey. on the top of the email, Apple. You know, you got to be first. First, first, first. That's right. Hashtag first. Uh, Lars Yulanov is the editor-in-chief of LifeWire, which I've never heard of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't it know what LifeWire is. It's a but new Lance, website. That's where Lars Yulanov is. This seems like a thing that Apple should do. Right? Like, why not have an award ceremony if you're going to have awards? If you're going to have awards, have a ceremony for them. Why not? Right? Like, you could do that. Make people feel special. You know? It's nice. Uh, do we expect this to be anything else? No. Are we going to get the no. Mac Pro or the Apple no. Tag or anything? No. No. No, no. we're not, are we? It's nothing. Expect no. nothing else from this. Which is why they ask people not to talk about it. But Lance enough can't help himself. At this point, the, the Mac Pro will be a press release saying, hey, the pre-orders are up. Did you see the uh, factory photos today? Yeah, yeah. So Tim Cook is uh, escorting Sornet members of the U.S. government uh, <laughs> around their Mac Pro factory. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was in conjunction with a big announcement that they are building out uh, a, a big development in Austin, Texas. Apple's had people in Austin for a long time, mostly Apple Care and like support personnel, but they are really expanding that. Of course, the Mac Pro is being built in Texas, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of push in the U.S. for companies to invest here and hire people here and America first, rah, rah, rah. So th- this press release is just playing to that, right? It's like, oh, we have all these people in all these states making parts for the Mac Pro. What they don't I have a say, question. What they don't say is what state is manufacturing the wheels for the Mac Pro? That's what I want to know. Mm, that's what everybody wants to know. What are you hiding, Tim Cook? It's the real scoop. If only we could find it out. I have a question for you. I, do, you, I doubt you know the answer, but you might. Mm-hmm. If I bought one, yes, where is it made? Is it made in America? I doubt it. You had a Mac Pro. You don't remember what it said on the bottom? <laughs> no, I don't remember what it said on the bottom. I but don't... is it assembled in America, not China? It, it may be. I don't know. Because that seems peculiar. Because I mean, what they dodge in the press release is that it's still parts coming from China. Yeah. Right? Like this, they're not all being made in America, but like they talk about every state that parts are coming from. They don't mention the country of China where a lot of the parts are surely coming from. Sure. Right? Or like other places in Asia at the very least. But there are parts that come from America. I'm sure there's little screws and all that kind of stuff. It's all purpose made. Uh, And they're being, then the parts are being assembled there. Mm -hmm. Right? But I can't imagine. I, w- I, w- I would just be surprised if they like assembled European ones in Texas. Yeah, I think they're probably they may be putting them somewhere else. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there are a couple of things about this this picture of the Austin factory we have to talk about. Yep. Um, one, none of these Mac Pros have wheels. They all have feet. So there's that. There's in the bottom left hand of the photo. There is what appears to be a wired Mighty Mouse plugged into something. So. Someone's still using those at Apple. But the most interesting thing is not the Mac Pro itself, but on the left-hand side of the image, there's an iMac, two iMacs actually, 
and there's a couple on the right hand side that are hanging upside down from this like pipe scaffolding around all the workbenches. Not on vase amounts, but they are literally like hung upside down from the foot. And the Apple logo is upside down, the camera's at the bottom. Uh, this one you can see the back of, so much like a black Apple sticker on the back, which I find sort of funny. Uh, they look like 27 inch IMAX. But I have questions. A, just like buy vase amounts. But B, how do you not knock them off? Like, hopefully there's some sort of zip tie situation holding them on. Oh, it's, it's got to be a custom built vase adapter that's holding them in place. No, look at the picture on the, on the left-hand side of the image. That's a regular iMac foot. Oh. And it's just like hanging from that pipe. Well, that seems dangerous. But, so I, I verified in System Preferences Display, Mac OS does not give you an option to rotate the image on an iMac. So, like, they're doing something. Maybe it's a third-party utility or oh, something. They're definitely all using Windows. They're always in boot camp. You think so? Oh, 100%. I Apple can't really tell. Apple didn't build their own shipping let me, fulfillment Let me software. open this in Photoshop and enhance it. Let's see. Is that is that how that works? Computer let enhance. Me. I'm actually interested in that siren. No, that man. No, no. They're running Mac OS. Really? The one in the center definitely has a dock at the bottom of the screen. Could be parallels, though. No. But no, the dot can't be at the bottom of the screen in the way macOS ships if it's upside down. They're doing something funny to turn this the image around. Mm. What are you hiding? What if what if the display is physically upside down? Physically upside down inside the computer. Why is it not that? No. Because the way the ribbon cables work inside, the you have to it don't work. The ribbon cable is very short from the logic board to the display. They could make it work. Look at all the tools they have. They have so many screwdrivers. Mm. I'm sure they have something Everywhere. custom to flip the UI around. I just thought that was interesting and a little bit terrifying. Wait, are you sure the dock is at the bottom? Yeah, the one Wh- in the center. Where? Uh, so if you... <laughs> this is a terrible episode. No, it's good. it's good. It's gotten good again. It's basically dead center of the image. There's somebody with their back to the camera looking right at it. Like, mm, Yeah. Basically vertically about center of the image, slightly to the left. There is a dock at the bottom of it. Those window tiles at top are blue though you sure it's not windows well that's a that's not how windows apps look but b that is definitely a dock on the bottom of the screen windows xp used to look like that they're not running windows xp <laughs> could be with the blue window tiles yeah it could i mean it's it's a manufacturing so like here's, plant. here's the be. thought yeah that there's like it's like some crazy manufacturing thing that can only run windows xp <laughs> on windows once again underscore has solved this Oh, my God, Dave. Oh, my God. So, in displays, hold command and option when you open the preference, and you get additional things, including the ability to rotate. I'm going to tell my screen upside down right now. Do it. Hold command and option. Do it. Do it. Did it work? When you open the display Uh, preference. I don't know. Are you looking at the thing upside down? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I think you hold those buttons and then open the display preference. I don't understand. I don't see that either. Wait, so how do you do it? Um, You open the display preference while holding command command and option. option. Hold command and option. Open displays. And then where? Rotation. Rotation. Hold on. Do you have it? Oh my God. Maybe the oh iMac Pro can is do upside it. down. <laughs> oh, Where is no. it? How do I? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I got it in my head. Oh, um, so I'm confirmed display setting. 
I want you to revert it. Thank you. You just got to hold down command option and click on displace under system preferences. Yeah, I don't get it. It does not work for me. And it'll show you... Uh, Actually, yeah. hold on. With my Ultrafine, I... Well, I don't have an iMac. So with my Ultrafine, I always have a rotation option. I don't even need to hold down command and option. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I don't see it on my iMac Pro, but. Yeah, but for a second, I. Underscores failed us. He says it yeah. works for him. Anyways, so there may be some way to do it. Try quitting, try quitting system preferences. Okay, we have to, we have to move on. Are, are we out of follow up, by the way? No. Okay, okay, just checking. Oh, I did. I got it. I, I, I pressed them long enough. Rotation, 180 degrees. Oh, there it is. Oh, oh no. Oh, the mouse moves backwards. <laughs> See, now what? You, you got you to gotta tilt your head and pretend you're like you just got to... So these poor people in this assembly, they have to use the mouse backwards. No, there's no way that's the case. You must be able to do something to the mouse. Maybe too. somebody Maybe. else is even behind the display and is moving the mouse for them. All right, let me push those buttons and hit trackpad. I don't know. This is very strange. Okay, well, we learned something about macOS today. That's exciting. Well, if you just turn the trackpad upside down, mm. it works. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. I just have the trackpad upside down. <laughs> so now who's the winner? You just get one of those circular mice, the Apple circular mouse. You turn it upside down. Nobody knows. It's true. My computer's upside down now. So I have that gun. What's 270 I wonder if your degrees? MP3 is recording, recording backwards now. What is Sideways. that? Oh, no. <laughs> it's all the way to the side. Oh, yeah. that's a lot worse. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right. Well, while Mike uh, fixes his computer, uh, we uh, we need to talk about Federico being Sherlocked mm. by Apple mm. Music. Yes. This what is happened? great news. This is a great announcement. Apple released an addition to Apple Music. It's called uh, Apple Music Replay. And it's a way for you to catch up on the uh, most played songs of the year. So the music you listened to over the past 12 months, uh, you go to re replay.music.apple.com. Uh, so pretty much like Spotify, Spotify has wrapped and Apple now has replay. You go to a website, you log in with your Apple Music account and you let the, the service look at your account data and generate a custom um, page for you. This page contains uh, a playlist with your top uh, 100 songs, I believe, um, as well as top artists and top albums. This is essentially the Apple version of Spotify Wrapped, but um, done in an Apple music fashion. Uh, the playlist that you get at the end, it's called the Replay Mix, and it's all right there. You can listen on the web if you're using a, a Mac and you're logging in via Safari, or you can actually log in from iOS and iPadOS, and then the playlist will be saved in your music app. Uh, if you're logging in with the same Apple Music account, there's a bunch of stats that you can uh, look at. It tells you like uh, the total amount of hours that you've listened to, um, as well as uh, you have individual break, uh, artist breakdowns. So for example, this year, I listened for 17 hours to Bon Iver, and 16 hours to Death Cab for Cutie. Um, you have the top albums, and fun fact, this service can actually go back in time and generate playlists 
uh, up until 2015, the year that Apple Music launched. So you can get uh, four years, uh, actually five. It's uh, 2015, 16, so yeah, it's five playlists uh, uh, with this new replay service. It's very nice, very cool looking. It's very simple, not... Maybe not as deep as Spotify Wrapped, but it doesn't surprise me. You know, Spotify can get real geeky with the stats that it shows you. But it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. And obviously, this is so much better than what I did last year with Apple Music Wrapped, my shortcut that sort of replicated the same functionality. It provided um, a chart for you with your top songs that you could also turn into a playlist and it gave you this custom landing page with top artists and top albums and, and all that stuff. Obviously, this is a native solution uh, that is so much better than my shortcut, if only for one main reason. And that is the shortcut can only look at the music that you've added to your library. And it can only um, look at the total play counts. Shortcuts actions for Apple Music cannot um, take a look at your complete listening history. So if you listen via Sonos, for example, or if you listen to songs without adding them to your library, uh, Shortcuts will be unable to find the play counts for those because Shortcuts can only filter songs that you've added to your library. It doesn't actually connect to your Apple Music Online account. Um, And so for this reason, Replay is much more accurate than anything I could have done with Shortcuts. and I think it's great. I think it's it looks great. It looks good. And even better, this is not like a seasonal thing. Once you've created your le- replay playlist for the year, it'll stay updated throughout the course of the year. And it'll be updated by Apple Music every Sunday. So in theory, the first Sunday of January 2020, you should be able to generate your replay 2020 playlist. And every Sunday, it'll be updated with new um, songs and artists sorted by how much time you listen to them. So this is lovely. This is great. They should have done this years ago. It's good that they have made it sort of retroactive in that it goes back in time and gives you a playlist for, say, 2016. That's amazing. And this is so much better than my shortcut. Then again, there's still... I'm not going to update it, of course. Uh, Apple Music Wrapped is done. But there's still a use case for that. Um, If you don't subscribe to Apple Music, you're listening the music app to the music you own, then uh, my shortcut is now your only option (laughs) as before, because Apple Music Replay, uh, I believe it requires an Apple Music account. So if you listen to music locally, my shortcut still works. And in fact, it works great for that because it looks at play counts for music in your library. Uh, That's all it can do. But this one is so much better. It's very nice. And uh, I'm curious to see how it'll update throughout the year. That's the part that I'm mm-hmm. really curious about because Spotify wrapped, um, only, you can only generate it you know, in this time of year, the end of November or December. But then it disappears and it comes back after 12 months. This one is going to stay on all year long. So that, that'll be curious to see how it works. I'm just pleased they did it uh, this year, not last year. Because I was really worried when you were building your shortcut for weeks and weeks oh, and weeks last year that yeah. they were just going to do this and you were going to be know, very right? sad. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't think they're going to Sherlock what I'm working on now for Apple Music. You know, every every winter I work on on an Apple Music shortcut. It's now, you know, you do it twice. It's tradition. 
as uh so um i'm working on on the music bot which uh, i don't think apple were sherlock and i get to you know sherry eventually i'm still working don't on talk it. about it yet don't give them ideas no I, don't, I won't give them ideas i'm basically just waiting because there's a bug in ios 13.3 beta 2 and also by the way beta 3 just came out so m- m- even more follow-up today uh, so we'll see if the bug is fixed but otherwise, Apple Music Replay, go to the website. I got a bunch of people like, oh, it's asking me for my Apple Music account. Yes, it's the Apple website. It's literally apple.com. So you're safe. You can log in with your Apple Music account and let it generate uh, the playlist for you. It's so strange to see them doing something on the web. Well, they're, they're doing more and more with Apple Music on the web. They have the beta yeah. web app on the desktop. And Replay works on Safari for iPhone even. Uh, so they're doing more and more, which I, you know, Apple getting into services, they, they have to. Uh, this is why mm-hmm. TV works on the web and all that. And increasingly, all their uh, and media apps, uh, TV, music, uh, news, uh, are basically wrappers around web content and web views. Mm-hmm. So, makes sense. We've got a little bit more uh, to cover, but I want to tell you about our second sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile. PDF Pen 11 is the ultimate tool for creating PDFs on the Mac. It's macOS Catalina ready, so you'll be able to view and edit your PDFs when you take that Catalina plunge. And PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone support iOS 13, iPad OS 13. That, of course, that includes dark mode, multiple window support, and more. You can even use your iPhone or iPad to scan documents directly into PDF Pen on your Mac. It's super slick. And if you're looking for the best way to make PDF forms, you need PDF Pen Pro. Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro over at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. If you do any work with PDFs, you need to check out PDF Pen. Once again, that's smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Go check it out and tell them you came from us. Our thanks to PDF Pen for their support of this show and Relay FM. And the shortcut bug I was having still not fixed in 13.3 beta 3. So Duh. someday it'll be fixed. So uh, the WWC app is gone mm. or rebranded at least. Federico, what, what's going on here? It's called Apple Developer now. So a few days ago, Apple released an update to the WWDC app, renaming it, giving it a new icon. It's a pretty cool looking icon, actually. It's called Apple Developer. And it it's, uh, again, they're moving away from seasonal things. The WWDC app was mostly useful during WWDC or maybe in September when Apple with the new iPhones released like new technical notes and videos. Now it's supposed to be like an ongoing thing. Uh, during the year, throughout the year, um, you will find content in the main page. There's going to be, in theory, tutorials or you know, news, um, the news section from the Apple developer website has been integrated with this one, it seems, at least to a certain extent. And if you are in the US, you can sign up for the, you can enroll in the Apple developer program as a subscription. So you can use your uh, your iTunes payment system to subscribe and become an Apple developer. And the developer, the $99 fee a year will be renewed automatically using uh, App Store subscriptions, which is pretty cool, I guess, but it's US only for now. Uh, obviously, the the new app has sparked the question, will Apple renamed WWDC to the to ADC, to the you know Apple Developer Conference? And 
this is where I'm torn um, in folly because, and I hate that I'm about to pronounce what I'm pronouncing. I believe that Apple is sort of attached to the whole dub dub brand thing. Wow. Which I. We can, we can conspiracy theory this if you like. You know, I love a good conspiracy theory. Mm. Last year was the first time I had ever seen them say dub dub or use dub dub. Yeah. Maybe they were just acknowledging it because they were killing it. Well, you would acknowledge something at the end before killing it? Yeah, it's like a thank you to it. It's like, thanks, dub dub. Peace out. Mm. And then off they go. I don't know. It's dub dub though. I don't think this is the case. I just like the yeah. conspiracy theories. I don't like it. I never liked. You know, I don't like when people say, "Oh, let's go to dub dub." Like I, I, <laughs> it's just a personal thing. Um, yeah. But I feel like Apple is attached to it. I feel like they've made they've made it a thing. You know, they had pins. They had the, the, all the the graphics around. You know, the banners around San Jose. Um, they like to call it that. It seems. And ADC, it just, it's, you know, it sounds like... It sounds boring. It sounds boring. It sounds like, a, it sounds like fake ACDC <laughs> without one C. Like, it's, it sounds boring. It sounds, like, it sounds like a fax company, you know, mm -hmm. ADC. Wow. Uh, but Apple developer as an app, as in, like, everybody says, I'm going to the Apple developer conference. But I still feel like the Dub Dub brand is something that Apple likes. So I don't know. Um, I guess it makes sense to have the app be more... Like, I totally get it why they're doing it in terms of the app for iPhone and iPad to have something throughout the year. Sure, if you're an Apple developer, you have an Apple developer app and you go there and you see all the content that they provide you with. But the conference itself, I am skeptical that they're going to rename it. I don't know. That app might like eventually suck in because there's an app where you can check if your app has been approved and stuff, right? Yeah, the iTunes Connect. Connect, app, like maybe Apple maybe Connect. it goes into this application mm -hmm. too. Yeah, Apple's developer website used to be called ADC. It was the Apple Developer Connection, I think. And and uh, so you know they could bring that back. Uh, they also had like a display standard called ADC for a minute, but. I like the name Apple Developer Conference. I think it would be easier to explain it to people. I prefer Apple Developer Conference to Worldwide Developer Conference, but I prefer WWDC to ADC. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I'll, I'll go with all that. I'm a complicated man. <laughs> and that Dub Dub is bad and no one should say it. Yes. I like it written. I don't like to hear it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, ADC does feel kind of generic. And ADC sucks maybe they should just give it a completely new name like um overall you know apple con phil and craig hang out with their friends or con swift con oh the apple developer meet and greet the apple developer yep. uh, week roadmap a conference a d r m c apple developer roadmap conference mm -hmm. it just rolls off the mm -hmm. tongue it does Full of good ideas, Phil. Phil Schiller, just give us a call. Maybe they should call it uh, call it AppleCon, and that's it. I'm going to AppleCon. Mm -hmm. AppCon. <laughs> uh, what's next? Last week, Logitech announced support for HomeKit Secure Video for some of their cameras, the Circle 2 cameras. We have a bunch of links in the show notes to this. Uh, it is on beta firmware, so you have to like update the firmware on your camera with the Logitech app. 
and then the camera disappears from the Logitech app, then it just works in HomeKit. HomeKit Secure Video is a really interesting, a really interesting proposition to me. I have uh, a couple of Nest cameras at my house, and I'm paying Nest annually, which is fine. I use the service all the time, but they this video is streamed to them. It's served by them. If I need to download something, I have to go to their website. And Home HomeKit Secure Video basically uses your iCloud storage for that. Uh, you do have to pay for the upgraded storage. Uh, if you want more than one camera, you have to go all the way to the two terabyte plan, which I am on anyways, because between my wife and I, we have just enough data to like need that plan. Like the, if there was a one terabyte, we could get away with that pretty easily, but uh, there's not. And it, it basically does as much as it can locally and on iCloud. So I was pretty excited about this, looking at potentially moving away from the Nest Cams at some point to to something like this. I'm already paying for iCloud storage. Uh, I like the idea that it's, it seems to be more private. Uh, Federico, you and I have both tried it. Uh, our friend John Voorhees has tried it. Yeah. And mm. I don't want to be too harsh because they label it as a beta, like on the Logitech side. But there are uh, quite a few mm. issues. Mm. Uh, you want to tell me about your experience getting it, getting it going? I fear that this feature will introduce severe complications in my household and my relationship with my partner um (laughs) glowing endorsement um unless apple fixes a few bugs uh well i'm gonna have to get in touch with logitech and revert my firmware to the non-secure video one which sucks because i really like the idea of secure video so anyway it worked perfectly for me when i set it up for myself we have obviously a shared HomeKit setup. Sylvia, my girlfriend, is part of my HomeKit setup here. Uh, I set it up from my phone. I first did it with one of the cameras. Then the next day, I did it with the other two that we have. So all of my Logi Circle 2 cameras, all three of them, are now HomeKit Secure Video enabled. And yes, by the way, I know it's marked as a beta feature. You don't need to get in touch with me and say, it's a beta, don't you complain about it. I'm going to because I don't care. Who's marking it as a beta? A Logitech is. Logitech. Yeah. Right, but isn't this Apple's software? It's Apple software, but Logitech says that upgrading the firmware on your camera is a beta thing and you should be aware and you right. need to click like three check boxes to make sure that you agree to the beta firmware. Okay, so if the problems are hardware related, then it's Logitech's problem, maybe. See, but if it's software related, I'm then it's Apple's to problem, that. and they're not labeling. It I'm as getting a beta. to that. Um, <laughs> okay. So for me, works great. Uh, well, relatively, relatively well, I would say. There's a the first thing I noticed, and I think Stephen has this problem too. It's a whole configuration, like it's a whole setup. You need to flip a bunch of toggles. You need to, like, there's no way that you can change your camera settings at a global level in the home app you cannot say all my cameras all of them i want you to send me notifications if people are detected or if animals are detected no you need to go into each camera's own settings page and configure those settings for each camera yeah which is how nest works and i don't mind that because I want my couple cameras to work differently, but I think there should be an option of, hey, just apply this setting to all my Mm -hmm. stuff. And here's my problem. So I changed the settings on my phone, and I thought, well, that's it. It's now set up for everybody. But no, 
I also needed to configure Sylvia's phone and basically redo the same thing from scratch. The only setting that is global is the ability to hide the LED light on the circle camera. Once you uh, disable that option, it sticks globally across all members of your HomeKit configuration. Um, but other settings, uh, so status changes and notifications, they need to be changed per camera, per member. So, and per device also. I needed to repeat the same process mm-hmm. on my iPad and on my Mac because my That's because stupid. my Mac my Mac kept dinging the notification sound because you need to go yep. in the Home app and change the settings again. So it's per camera, stupid. per member, per device. So, as you can imagine, I got a bunch of them, and there was a, there were a lot of noises, you know, a lot of alerts going on. Still, not my main problem, because I thought, well, now that I've changed these settings like 25 times, am I done? In theory, yes, but here's my problem. Sylvia's phone, she has an iPhone 11 running the stable version of iOS 13.2.3, which just came out yesterday. She keeps getting notifications she's not supposed to. I disabled, so I set up all my uh, circle cameras to send me and Sylvia notifications at any time during the day, only when nobody's home and only if a clip is recorded because motion has been detected and motion includes people, right? Obviously, yep. Seems solid. obviously, my yeah. dogs are going to move when we're not around, so I don't need animal detection. I live on the third floor, so unless you have a flying car, vehicle detection is really not going to happen in my hallway. I just want... You would really <laughs> want to know, though. I'm sure. Like, I mean, I think more than anything, if a vehicle's in your home, you want to know. Yeah, you should turn that back on. You need that on, man, because I'm telling you... You can land a car in my balcony, probably. If you come home and there's a car in the living room, you'd be like, oh, man, I wish I knew about this before. I knew that that notification was supposed to stay on. Um, you see? You need that one on. That's maybe the most important and one. And here's, here's what's driving me crazy. And I really hope this is one of those instances where somebody from Apple is listening to this show. I am not getting notifications, and rightfully so, because nobody has broken into our apartment these past few days. Sylvia keeps getting notifications, and not like, you may say, well, maybe she's getting like a couple notifications when your guys are out. No, mm-hmm. she's getting one every 20 seconds. Yep. She's going insane with these notifications. She has to basically put her iPhone in do not disturb mode all the time. She showed me like a hundred notifications yesterday that she kept getting from HomeKit. And here's the thing. She's running the stable version of iOS. I'm running the beta version of iOS. I have 13.3. So maybe that's why I'm not getting all those notifications. Me, but, but it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> but I don't think it's not. And in my home, it's I not. also want to clarify, in my home, I have a mix of HomeKit hubs. I have two Apple TVs and I have three HomePods and God knows how many iPads. Some of them are running stable version of 13.2 for tvOS or HomePod. Only one of them, the Apple TV 4K in my bedroom, is running the tvOS 13.3 beta. All the other ones 
are on the stable track. Sylvia is getting hundreds of notifications. I have double-checked yeah. all the settings. She's not supposed to be getting those notifications, and yet she is. I don't know what to do. I, I had that too. So what it seems to be doing is there's a, the, to back up a second. There's a toggle to say notify. Or, so you have recording and notifying as two separate mm-hmm. things. You say I want any motion. I want you to record, and I want to be know, be told about it. And if you say I want to know when there's a person, what it does, the camera detects the motion. It analyzes locally if it is a person or not, and then sends you notifications. So those notifications are within a, a few seconds, totally reasonable amount of time. But I have the same problem you do, but opposite. My phone will tell me anytime there's any motion, even though I've set it to be just tell me about people. Mm-hmm. And Mary's is working correctly. Now, we were both completely stable releases. I thought, well, maybe it's fixed in the beta. So then I installed the beta on my right. phone and it made no difference. Right. So I think it's broken either way. But it seems to be those... Those options are are not respected, and it is the most. I've tried a bunch of smart cameras over the years. If it really thinks every single time that there is motion, it is di- the sensitivity is dialed to to eleven. Mm. I've had it. It I have one in my studio, and like the heat would come on, and it would say, "Oh, there, there's there's motion," or a cloud would go by in the sky. Oh, there's motion. It's way too sensitive. So there's something like really broken, whether that's on the Logitech side and their firmware or on the HomeKit side, I, I don't know. Part of it is clearly HomeKit yep. because it doesn't respect the settings the way it's supposed yep. to. But it is not really um, – that part's really broken. But I do have other things. I actually took out a piece of paper when I was setting it up and made some notes. One thing you cannot do in HomeKit is you cannot manually power on or off a camera. Mm. So the one in my studio, I have a Nest Cam – Someone breaks in out here. I want to know about it. And I basically turn the camera on and off if I'm in the office or not. I don't want it on when I'm out here. And it is pretty simple. I can do it in the Nest app. Um, I wish it supported Siri, but it doesn't. I can go in the Nest app and do it. And I can't use geofences for that because the studio is too close to the house. And I want if I'm done for the day and I lock up the studio and I go inside, I want the studio camera on, even though I am technically home, I'm not out here. So I talked to Zach Hall about this from 9to5Mac because he wrote this original article. And so I was like, hey, is there a way to do this? He said, no, the way he got around it was he put a, a HomeKit power switch and plugged the camera into that because the camera would just come on when there's power to it. And so you can get around that. I don't know how good it is to like physically cut the power to the camera on and off over and over, but... Uh, there should be a way to basically. No one should be using this as their system. No one, no one should be trusting their home security to this system. Is what I have heard over the last ten minutes. Well, that, well that's that's my problem with it. Um, yes. Uh, so we have all the stuff that Federico said. Uh, I see the same issues. There's no way to tell or manage how much video is stored in iCloud. The only option you have is to delete a single camera's recordings. Maybe I didn't have enough stored in there, but even in like your, if you go like on the Mac or iOS and get your iCloud storage settings, there's no listing for like HomeKit video. Like I, I uh, you just don't know how much is there. Yeah. Then I guess you can delete it, but there's no fine grain control. I'd like to have that. Like I said, the detect motion is very fast. Detect a person uh, takes a second, but it's within the same margin of error that the Nest camera is. It takes a, a split second to recognize somebody. Um, I had issues with the two-way microphone 
is you can talk back through your phone through the camera. Like if someone's in here, you can talk to them. That did not work in the stable iOS, but it did work in the beta. So that was an improvement. Like I said, sound triggers motion, even though there's an option to like record sound or not, there should be an option to say sound does not equal motion. And only one device can view a camera at a time. So with Nest and uh, Ring and these other systems, you can you can you know have multiple devices looking at the same camera or the same clip. HomeKit video doesn't let you do that. Down to the point where if you have video preview sent in the notification and you have the notification open, mm-hmm. the other person can't look at that camera. Like it is completely single view, and that uh, strikes me as ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I am not switching to this. I don't trust it at this point. I would like to. I would I would love to dish my Nest stuff at some point and and move on with this because it's way more integrated with the rest of my stuff, but it's not there yet. And how much of that's on Logitech and how much of that's on Apple, it's hard to, hard to say. But uh, I think at least part of it is on HomeKit. But the the big the big concern, Federico, I want to see if you agree with this. Nest has its issues, right? Ring has its issues, but Canary Canary has Canary's like barely hanging on out there. But yeah, my canary's going strong. Like very happy, very happy. Yeah, but they they said HomeKit support was coming. They haven't done that. Their outdoor stuff's pretty bad. But mm. those companies, like security cameras, are what they do, right? And they all they all have issues, right? Like I have plenty of complaints about the Nest ecosystem, but it's like a primary focus of the company, right? But those companies are owned one by Alphabet, one by Amazon. Yes, but within Nest. Cameras are a big thing of what they do. Mm-hmm. Apple, view, HomeKit is a tiny part of Apple, and HomeKit Secure Video is a tiny, tiny part of HomeKit. It is not a top level item for Apple. I see what you're saying. Yes, uh, yes, mm-hmm. like yes. If you have issues with Google and Amazon owning your cameras, like I understand that, I respect that. That's a different conversation. But those companies focus on these features. And Apple doesn't. Is it going to be a year before this gets fixed? Right. Like we we keep coming back to that in the last couple of weeks, and I don't know if I would trust that Apple would keep this like modern and updated because uh, you know they they haven't always done that with with minor features. And this this is what this this is a minor feature of iOS. Mm-hmm. But if it's the camera you have looking at the street of your house and someone trying to break in, it doesn't feel like a minor feature to you. But I I just worry about that, that that Apple won't pay enough attention to this over the long run. Yeah, yeah, I have the same concern. Um, I want to believe that it even if it's a tiny feature, it is an important one because we're talking about people's security, home security. Mm-hmm. And I want to believe that if we keep complaining about it and writing about it and having podcasts about it, it'll get fixed relatively soon because it's such a like uh getting notifications from your camera when you're not supposed to like that's a bad bug and i really want to hope that even if it's not a mainstream you know it's not an apple music bug it's an important one and it should be looked after before ios 14 otherwise i'm gonna have to get in touch with logitech support and have them uh, restore my circle cameras back to the mm-hmm. non-secure video firmware. Um, while we're at it, I have a I have a list of other missing features that we didn't mention for HomeKit secure video. Before we move on, um, you uh, you cannot set 
custom motion areas. So if you have your camera pointing at the hallway yes. and maybe you want to ignore whatever is going on beyond the window because maybe there's like cars moving or something, um, you cannot say ignore this area and focus on this other area of the room. That's not possible. Um, you mentioned you cannot turn off cameras without location. Uh, the Logi uh, Circle app. So I should say, once you move your Logi Circle cameras to HomeKit secure videos, they only live in HomeKit. Right. They are removed from the Circle app. And in fact, now my, my Circle app is empty because all of my Circle cameras have been upgraded to HomeKit secure video. But one of the features that I really liked about the Circle app was called the Daybrief. And the Daybrief was basically a time lapse for the whole day to show you what happened in 24 hours for one of your cameras. And this time lapse feature is absent from the Home app. You can only view individual clips. There is a timeline. You can export clips as an MP4 video. But you cannot group multiple clips together or export a time lapse, and they should do that. In the speaking of clips, I and Steven, please tell me if I'm crazy because I really cannot find this feature. I cannot see clips on my Mac. So in the Catalyst Home app, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go look for HomeKit secure video. I can't find them either. Cool. <laughs> All right. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe they are there, mm, but I have not. Uh, mm. If only there was a technology that allowed you to have the same app. Well, I say that. Let me see. Okay. Well, so I, I do. Maybe you need a Catalina beta. Maybe. Yeah, it's in Catalina. Uh, is it though? I have Catalina. I don't. Yeah. So if you go into the camera and double click on it, then you get the you can change the date picker at the top, and you can go back in time. And see clips. why uh, does only one of my cameras have it? I don't know. I only have one camera, so this is why I was not seeing it yesterday. Okay, <sighs> I don't know. It's it's a little broken. I hit the share button in the home app, and instead of being attached to the button, it popped up in its own floating window at the edge of the screen. So you know, home's not a great app on the Mac, but yeah, they've got to straighten this stuff out. Nest has those features you mentioned. I have the the zone thing turned on. That's really helpful. And the time-lapse thing, you can export a time-lapse from Nest cameras. In fact, a couple of years ago, uh, I got hired by somebody in town to do like a time-lapse video of a, of a construction project. Lasted like two years. And I did it with a series of Nest cameras. Mm. And I would just go in yes. like once a week and export footage from the Nest cams as a time-lapse. It was great. <laughs> like super easy. It's... uh. They need to catch up with this stuff. It is still early. I I really honestly would like to move to this, but right now I just I just can't. Uh, our friend John Voorhees um, just sent us privately an iMessage, a screenshot of his LogiCircle camera. Also, he updated this one to HomeKit Secure Video, and he said, I went out for a sandwich, and there's a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10? 11 notifications. Well, it keeps, keeps going. going. Maybe there's more. probably more. It's the whole screen. It's the whole <laughs> screen full of the LogiCircle camera as detected motion. And I'm pretty sure that John also set up the camera to only have people uh, because it's pointing at the street. So, uh, I mean, there's obviously going to be motion. Um, so, yeah, uh, they're broken. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, I'm open to suggestions as to how I should break this news to Sylvia in terms of like, we just mm. got to wait. 
because she's gonna hate me for it. So, I'm. Um, I mean, can you just turn notifications off on her phone and not tell her? Like, uh, you gotta tell her it's broken. It's not your fault. I mean, it is. Well, your it fault is my fault a little bit, but no, these things are are the the fault of the person who decides yeah. to get excited and change the already working yes, system. They are and try out. A a change of the firmware of the camera that's working perfectly yes, fine. Yes, you're right. It is 100% Federico's yes, it fault is. that he brought this upon their <laughs> well, household. Let me t- okay, we got it. We get it. We, we get it. A plague upon it. their household. Yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> but ultimately, it's Apple's fault. Mm. I don't blame Logitech no, for this. It's n- because re- you just look at the evidence of the last three to four months. I don't think it's Logitech. I don't think it's the hardware. It's never got a single why issue. Did they, why did they release this feature? It was already late. Just wait. It's clearly incredibly broken. Yeah, well. I don't understand what's going on anymore. Don't we all? It's hard to say. Let's talk about cool stuff instead. Cool stuff? Like folding uh, phones. I thought we were going back to Christmas trees. We could talk about those too. Let, let, me, take, let me take our last break first. And then, and then you can just let it rip on the Motorola Razor. How's that? Yeah. All right. This episode of Connected is brought to you by FreshBooks. If you're a freelancer, getting 192 hours back would be awesome. And our friends at FreshBooks can help you do just that with their super simple cloud accounting software. It simplifies tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork, and that includes me and Mike. FreshBooks can automate late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. I had this work just the other day. Uh, I had a freelance thing and someone hadn't paid me and FreshBooks just reminded them and they, they, they paid. I didn't have to have an awkward conversation. FreshBooks just uh, took care of it for me. And when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether or not they've seen it which puts an end to guessing games. You can slap that email down and say, look, the truth is you saw it. Pay me because information is power. FreshBooks gives it to you. That was a little extreme. I don't, you shouldn't slam an email down on anybody's desk. <laughs> it's either extreme or a new slogan. Information is power. FreshBooks gives it to you. FreshBooks, you can, um, you can get in touch with me about that line if you want to. If you want to use it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it because they are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash connected and enter connected in the how did you hear about us section. It's freshbooks.com slash connected. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and RelayFM. Motorola, they are absolute mad lads, and they did it. They've brought back the Razor, and it's now a folding phone. They had an event last week where they showed it off to some press. I'll put links in the show notes to three YouTube videos, one by Austin Evans, one by MKBHD, and one by Kaim Gartenberg of The Verge. It is a portrait foldable flip phone. There are two displays. There's a small display on the outside, which is kind of like the size of an Apple Watch display. It's like 2.7 inches. Uh, The camera's there too, so you can actually take selfies using that screen and the main camera. Uh, But basically, this outside screen is for checking notifications, and they've built some quick reply stuff in. You know, you see notifications there. You can do very basic things to them. It is effectively what the old screen on the outside of the old Razer used to be for, right? Like, it's all that stuff. 
Uh, you open it up inside, and it's a 6.2-inch phone on the inside. Uh, it's taller than your uh, average smartphone. It's a 21 by 9 aspect ratio, so it's like taller and thinner than, than usual, but it apparently seems to work pretty well, and people have said it's relatively comfortable to hold. Uh, and you, obviously, because it is a flip phone, effectively, you get the pleasure of closing the phone when you're done talking to someone. Like, you can do that. Everybody did that in their videos, right? Because that's what you would do. Uh, the profile is basically the same as the old Razer, right? It has like a, a big chin at the bottom, which has a bunch of components in. It has a fingerprint reader in there and a USB-C uh, charging port. And then it drops down, right? Like quite significantly, Hence the razor name, because it looks like a close-shave razor, like a blade razor, right? Uh, and it's super thin, and it's got like a notch cut out like the old razor used to, which is where there's a front-facing camera and a speaker in. Um, and it's similar in size and thickness. It's like a bit wider, but it's like similar, right? Like they've they've gone for the overall design, which was a genius move because honestly, this looks as modern now as it did then because it's now like, it makes a lot of sense to make their product this way, right? Like visually, it's like, this is a clever way to make this type of product. Um, they're doing some wild stuff with the hinge uh, because the phone completely closes. There doesn't appear to be a gap at all. Uh, the phone screen itself kind of tucks under the hinge a little bit, which is wild to see. Uh, apparently, you can't see a crease. I couldn't see a crease in any video that I've seen. And apparently, the hinge seems pretty strong. Um, it doesn't seem to be having the issues that Huawei and Samsung had with with like there being gaps and stuff. Of course, it is still a plastic screen. Um, Motorola say it's super strong. They don't think there's a problem there. I guess time will tell on that. Um, all of the videos that I've seen praised the hinge design and that it's comfortable. It doesn't seem to be awkward to, to fold and unfold. Uh, one cool little feature, there's a legacy mode where you can make it look and act like the old Razer and the bottom of the screen looks like a metal keypad. I just think it's really funny that they put that in yeah, and I it's kind applaud of awesome. Motorola for doing that because that was not a trivial amount of work for an Easter egg, but I, I think it's kind of awesome. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the product starts to fall apart a little bit when you talk about the specs. So it has a Snapdragon chip in it that was used in mid-range smartphones over the last year, which is awkward when the phone costs $1,500. So cheaper than the other folding phones that are on the market, but still very, very expensive. The battery is really small too, because the phone is super thin and small and light compared to other phones like it. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how both the chip and the battery perform when these things are actually reviewed, which I reckon is probably not going to be for a while because it's not coming until January 2020. I think you'll be able to start pre-ordering in December, so maybe some reviews start dropping then. I think this thing is very compelling. I actually think that it is a... well. It is very clearly, I think, a stronger contender for being a more useful product than the Galaxy Fold or the Huawei Mate X. Like This looks like a conventional phone in a form factor that we have seen before that people liked, which is a flip phone. But we just have, we had to let go of flip phones because smartphones wouldn't work that way. But now they can again. And I think that this is very interesting. I think that this 
is a product that, again, I'm also intrigued to see what it would be like to own one of those. I don't think I want to buy it, but crazier things have happened, like this thing that happened, right? Like this, that thing. That's it's, a it's podcast mic. We can see you. That was a crazier thing mm-hmm. that happened. I opened it and closed right. it, so you'd get the uh, you'd get the audio, right? I, I didn't just point at it. I... I gave you some audio accompaniment. So that's the Sam. That's uh, that's the Motorola Razor. Uh, do either of you have any thoughts or opinions? I think this form factor makes a lot more sense than the Samsung. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it, it makes it pocketable, pocketable, and it gives you a phone at the end of the day, not a tablet. But see, the, I think the things that we are going to see with this is like because because Samsung want to do this too, right? They want to make a folding like phone like this too. I think we're going to see maybe if I was going to put my money on the table, why Samsung did this the way that they did it, because I think the battery is going to suck and it's not going to be powerful enough. Yeah. And Samsung went with the, the, the form factor that they went with because it allowed them to make something that would still operate under normal phone constraints. Sure. The thing would be two inches thick if it was thick enough for the battery it needed. Yeah. So that is a limitation, uh, but I, I do think the form factor is really interesting. I think it's cool that Motorola's doing it. They've just put out a bunch of like... I can't believe that Motorola are the company that have made this product. All they've done the last few years is like ho-hum, middle-of-the-road Android phones. They haven't done anything really interesting maybe since mm-hmm. the Droid line, like years ago. So that's really cool. They had and some cool stuff when they were owned by Google for a brief period of time. They had like the mods, like they did the the thing we could clip on extra bits to the outside anyways it 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 seems cool i would like i really like to see one in person uh, i still don't think this hasn't changed my mind on photo pools in the broad sense but i think this is closer to something that more people would want than the the samsung uh yeah is my guess. You know, I really think about the foldable as like a, a, a folding tablet that happens to be a phone and this is like a folding phone this in its fullest form is just a regular phone so uh but it's it's cool. I mean, props to Motorola for doing it, and I uh, I think the reviews will be fun to watch on this one. Uh, Insentiate this in the chat has said something that is very uh, interesting. As a person who has lady sized pants pockets in most of their life, this is a product that makes sense. There, that is a this is a very very good use case, right? Because people say they want smaller phones. A lot of the time, they don't necessarily want it just because they want the phone to be smaller. They need it to be smaller so it can fit in their pocket. Right or in their purse, mm-hmm. this is a way to make that happen because you actually reduce the main constraint, which is physical size, not like thickness. It's like physical yeah. size, right? Like it won't go in a pocket, but this might because you fold it in half. That's interesting. That that makes that makes sense for this. Um, I am intrigued to see if other companies can make this product make sense. It makes sense that Motorola did it because they had the razor design, right? So like. You make this because people will want it because of the nostalgia factor. I'm intrigued to see if, like, what could Samsung do to make this a lustworthy product because under a flip phone form factor, right? Like, I think Motorola coming first out of the gate with this makes sense uh, because they own the intellectual property of the most successful folding phone, probably like the second most known phone after the iPhone in history, right? Like people, everybody knew what the razor was. Everybody wanted one if they didn't already have one. Um, that was like the first kind of like really lustworthy phone before the iPhone. My college roommate got one and I remember being so jealous 
They were really expensive too. Yeah. They were like seven or eight hundred dollars. And then he broke it playing frisbee. Like the third week he owned it. It was very sad. I had like a Nokia candy bar. So the razor seemed like magic. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this is a nostalgia play, but boy, is it a good one. Like (laughs) I see what you did, Motorola, and I am fine with it. Because I think a lot of people will will look at this and remember that phone Mm. uh, fondly. And and, uh, it's cool. Power to him for doing it. But I think it still looks cool even if you don't have the nostalgia. But if you have the nostalgia, you've won on both fronts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also have fond memories of the predecessor of the Razer, the Motorola, uh, the StarTac. Um, it was like the original uh, flip phone. I'm going to share a link in the chat. And I remember like back in the day, this is the late 90s, uh, it was like uh, like in Italian movies, like it was so cool to have the StarTac. Uh, it was like... It's like uh, the the object to have because phones were like mobile phones were were sort of still new at that point. It came out in '96, um, and I remember I was very jealous of my dad when he bought the StarTac. Um, yeah, so that was also a cool phone. There was a a phone. Oh man, who made the phone that looked like a washing machine? The the phone with the washing. There was a flip phone that had a circular screen on the front of it. It was Samsung. I oh think. yeah, Samsung. And they advertised it like it was a washing machine. Super weird, but it had this little circular phone like screen on the front that was blue. Hmm. I I can I picture I it, but that. searching for Samsung washing machine is hopeless. So yeah, it's not because Samsung make washing machines. Yeah. I found a picture of it, but I can't find the name of it. But yeah, that was a thing that existed too. Phones will... Okay, so phones used to be really weird. I think phones are getting weird again, and I'm very excited about it. Right? Like, when we were growing up, phones were strange. Like, the Nokia phones where the numbers went around the screen and stuff. Yeah, they did all... I mean, those engineers all took acid and then made a bunch of phones. I had one of those. The little square one. Where it went around the screen, I had that oh, too. Yeah, and I think that we're getting there again. People are being weird and fun with their designs, and I love it. If you want to find a link to the stuff we spoke about this week, head over to our website relay.fm/connected/slash two seventy. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow up. If you want to get in touch on Twitter, you can do that too. Federico is there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He's also the editor in chief of MacStories.net. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E, and he is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. You can find me on Twitter as I-S-M-H, and I write at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Smile, and FreshBooks. And until next time, guys, say goodbye. Adios. Cheerio. Adios.